You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and with me today is one-third of our panel. We have Dr. Bruce Garrick. Uh, if anybody, anybody would like a coffee, um, I can't make you a coffee, and I can't really get you a coffee, so you're out of luck on coffee. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh so, Bruce, how are you? How have you been? Doing great. I'm sorry that uh, our compatriots can't join us today. Uh, I will try to keep the conversation moderately interesting and uh, coffee-free. Yeah, it's, uh, I did a, one other two-person podcast with Tom a few weeks ago, and that worked very well. So you have uh, pretty big shoes to fill here. Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to go as well as that, but uh, we'll see what happens. Tom, I, by the way, is uh, is uh, unavailable, and Julian is unavailable. And our guest that uh, we were going to have tonight, we've postponed, but we will have him. Uh, so uh, we can um, do we want to tease that, or do we want? to Yeah, no, we've that? already we've already mentioned this. Uh, Michael Deplater was all set to join us tonight. Michael Deplater of Ubisoft, uh, lead designer of End War, and uh, most of the Total War games, but because of he wanted to deal with some of Tom's thoughts on End War, since Tom is a huge End War droopy, and give the rest of us more time to play with it, we thought it would be best if we postponed that to next week, and that way Michael can listen to all of us tell him why End War is good enough for a console RTS, yeah, or a PC so, RTS. Well, I'm... Uh I'm uh, I'm I'm guilty for I, I sort of suggested that we just put this off because um, I think that Tom is such an End War fan and such an End War booster that it would really be a shame to have the designer of End War be on the show and have Tom not available. And uh, also, I did go out yesterday. I will I will say I went out yesterday and I bought End War at Best Buy for 19.99. Oh, okay. uh, such a deal for the PS3, which is the only console system I have, and the Actually, I only use it to uh, watch Blu-ray movies, but uh, but I do have a, a console, so I bought End War, but uh, I didn't get a chance to play it. So I thought it would be really uh, kind of really cheat everybody if uh, the only person who uh, was able to talk to Michael Diplater about End War was somebody who had not ever played End War. So, um, I will try to put at least an hour or two into it. That's all pretty much all I can promise, but I'll try to get a little bit of time into it uh, this week, and then hopefully we can talk to him next week. Yes. And uh, have uh, Julian and Tom available, and it should be a good uh, podcast. So everybody, uh, keep your fingers crossed, and uh, hopefully we can uh, we can bring you that next week. Yes, yeah, so, but for this week, bear with us. Um, I want to oh, start... Oh, great. You don't have to bear with anything. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Be the best podcast ever. We can fire the other guys. Mm. Uh, I want to start, Bruce, with uh, your thoughts on the status of the Dominion's three game. You were oh, here the last Dominion's week. three game. You were here last week when uh, Tom pretty much uh, pronounced it dead, and so he I still hasn't hear- sent me his turn. I didn't hear anything about that. I mean, I didn't. I didn't listen to last week's podcast. I didn't get a chance to. I usually, if I miss a podcast, I try to listen to it uh, afterwards. But last week's, I didn't simply have time to do it what what was what was the gist of tom's uh of tom's gripe well his argument is pretty much this that a play-by-email game really only works so long as everybody is really enthusiastic about it and gets their turns in mm-hmm. and that 
this game had reached the point, and in fact passed the point, where people were invested in getting their turns in on time, that Julian was still learning the system, that he was bored by it, um, that your schedule uh, didn't always allow for quick turnaround times. Uh, so his argument was, you know, the game is probably better off dying instead of pretending we're going to finish it. Well, how about we just uh, all attack Tom and knock him out of the game? Right, so how about that plan? Should we do is that? He, I'm yeah. fine with that, but he but he has not sent me his turn. Until he sends yeah. me his turn, I can't do that. Yeah. Well, no, we can always advance him without uh, without having his turn. I mean, that happens all the time in Dominion's games. Um, I, my feeling on the game is is that the game is being played not necessarily because we're all, you know, having this great, fantastic time playing, uh, playing um, Dominions. We're, we're doing it to some extent so that we can discuss a game, you know, with uh, uh, with each other for the for the benefit of the listeners. So, I mean, just as, we, just as we did with Dawn of War two. Yeah, I mean, I I, I enjoyed playing Dawn of War two, but uh, you know, I there are times when you know. I sit down with I made a, I made a big effort one night I remember to put to send in my Dominion's turn I was you know I got home at my usual whatever 9 p.m. and have to be up at four uh, and uh, but you know I spent some time thinking about what I had to do I had some notes to remind me what was going on and I and I did the turn and sometimes that's what you have to do with these games to keep them going to push them past the uh, because I mean there's never going to be a time when all the players are really enthusiastic about the game simply because sometimes people are going to start losing right. right. And there have been – I've played plenty of PBM Dominions games, and there have been times when I, uh, you know, I was clearly losing, and – I find I, that very hard to believe. <laughs> well, I've played with some people who are much better at Dominions than I am. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're clearly losing, and and I think you have – at some point, you have some responsibility to the, to the other players to sort of at least try to put up some kind of defense because it, it's terrible when – and that, I agree, that is a problem with uh, with uh, a play-by-email game because you end up putting a lot of time investment into a game that you can't win. But un- unfortunately, that's the way these games are. I mean, you, you have right. to the, – the losing players have to keep playing, and it, that, that's what makes it enjoy, that much more enjoyable for the people who are winning, and I have no problem with that. I mean, I'll – I'll, uh, you know, sometimes the game will be delayed a week, and uh, Tom and I and some other people uh, played a. I think we spent a, a year or more. I want to say it was two years playing a Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri PBEM game that that never finished. Um, but uh, you know, the losers, uh, I think, lost lost interest, and that was the. I, mean, I was the first player eliminated. Actually, I will say in that game, and. Uh, but I mean, I kept submitting my turns because I felt like the people who were attacking me had the right to have an actual player uh, try to fight them rather than the AI. So I don't know. I mean, the real th- the real shame about the game right now is that we, we are at a point where Tom and I are having a pretty interesting, you know, war. Uh, Julian is sort of just uh, he's giving me some pressure from from my north. So it's me. It's really me against Julian and Tom. And and if they were to coordinate and and try to knock me out of the game. I think they could do it simply because, um, partly because of some decisions I made earlier uh, when I when I made my pretender. I, I built a pretender for a very, very long game. Just sort of, I'm not sure why, I just kind of did that because I wanted to get some of the, the uh, big endgame monsters that come in. And uh, I didn't really 
consider or think about the fact that, you know, some committed players could really drive me out of the game early if they decided to, um, based on my build. So, and the way I was playing. So, uh, there is that, but, uh, hey, you know, the game is kind of interesting at this point. It would be nice if, you know, if, if you just, um, I mean, I hate to put it this way, uh, but sometimes you just, you know, we all, as writers or freelance writers who work in the gaming industry or have worked in the gaming industry, have assignments that we're not really all that excited about. I mean, it would be ridiculous to say that we're all so excited about um, about every review we do or every piece that we write. Sometimes the game is bad and you just really don't want to continue, but you do it because you have you made a commitment to it. So um, right. I'm I'm perfectly willing to try to you know set deadlines and try to keep turning turns in. Now I understand that the podcast is a completely volunteer, unpaid. Uh, Endeavor, and uh, you know, the, you look at that a little differently than you look at uh, you know paid, committed, contracted work. But still, I mean, just freaking turn in your turns. It's not so hard. She whiz. So that's what I have to say about it. Um, my turn's been in for weeks. Uh, yes. In fact, we're just waiting on Tom. Yeah. So uh, if Tom could just turn in that freaking turn uh, and see what happens, and then reevaluate. I mean. I don't know. There's going to be some. There's there going to be some fireworks in the next few turns. So I'd like to see them actually happen. But whatever. I mean, if they never get to see them, it's a shame. Uh, I will uh, sort of. I, I will try to write something up that um, outlines what what happened and how I did my uh, how I how I planned my strategy and how it all. We'll never find out if it was going to work or not. But that's a different story. Of course. So, so I I want to kind of take. There are a whole bunch of things that we really I wanted to talk about this week. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them is simply the idea of games that we can play um, with limited time. I'm not really. <clears throat> I've been playing, as you know, as you well know, a lot of Brett Spielbelt um, because those games can be played in a few minutes and. Uh, you know, you can play a couple games of Thurn Taxis or Dominion or something like that, and then be done. They're standalone little things, and um, and they're uh, uh, you know good for what you're using them for, which is a little you know mind break slash time waster that uh, uh, is kind of it's a throwaway leisure time activity. Uh, right. And I think we talked a little bit about um, the idea that you could get sort of war game themed little time waster type games. Uh, I've never seen one, but, um, but I think that, uh, I think that the, the possibility exists. I mean, there's certainly the, uh, um, there's nothing that says you couldn't have a battle of the bulge game that took 15 minutes to play. Um, I'm not sure how you would do it. I think it'd be a very interesting design challenge to, uh, get, you know, like a 15 minute bulge. Um, I think there was some uh, the the hardcore uh, war gamers listening to the podcast can write in and 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 tell me what I'm missing. There was a, there was a game. Um, somebody designed a game. I don't know. If, I think it was a bulge game based on the idea that you know uh, there was a limited time uh, frame to play. Uh, it was like two hour bulge or something like that. Or um, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. It's it's a definitely a board game. It's a, from old board gaming history. But uh, I don't see any reason that you couldn't have a game like that where uh, both sides had some interesting choices to make and it mm-hmm. was played on a map of the Battle of the Bulge battlefield and, uh, 
you know, there was an allied side and an Axis side, and you had clear objectives that were uh, historically uh, related to the Battle of the Bulge, and then, you know, it, was, it would have to be pretty abstract, obviously. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there would be some way to do it. I, 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 as I think about it, it seems, I mean, it, it seems like it, it wouldn't be impossible, but uh, somebody better at game design would have to, would have to, um, would have to do the actual uh, designing, because I'm, I'm certainly terrible at that kind of thing. Well, you can play a game of Warplan Pacific in a couple of hours. Um, that's not what I'm talking, I agree. Uh, Warplan Pacific, by the way, is great. Uh, it has some, it has some issues that, um, I really, I really have a hard time with the interface. It just doesn't give me as much information as I wish it gave it would give me. But um, right. But war. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a couple hours. I'm not because a war plan Pacific. I think a, a multiplayer war plan Pacific game would probably take about three hours. I think. That sounds about right. About three hours. I'm talking about a game that I'm talking about that thirty minutes max. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. It's a thirty minute game. Uh, that is some historically themed war game, and I was I was thinking about that because I now played tonight. I played my uh, while we were just waiting to get the podcast set up. Um, I played my 738th game of Thern and Taxes. What's your record? Um, I've won 55 percent of my games, which not bad. It's not you know I I think that that that's a game where against equally matched players you're going to win half the you win half your games and lose half your games because it's all on the the, the game is very uh, luck dependent I mean there's there are certain plays that you have to make there are certain uh, um, uh, choices that are obvious based on which cards have been played and which cards are available not available and they're not those choices are not that difficult to make so um, or to recognize so. If you're playing against somebody who's basically as good as you are, I think half the time it's going to come up in your favor and half the time it's going to come up in the other player's favor. So, um, you know, I think the best Thurn and Taxis player record that I've ever seen was, I mean, who had played more than, you know, 100 games because early on, uh, you know, you might win a few games in a row and you've won, you know, 100% of your games. But uh, I think that, for anybody who's played over 100 games, I think the best record I ever saw was something like somebody who won 60% of their games. So he's 10 points, 10 percentage points uh, on the other side of the, the 50-50 line. But, um, you know, I was thinking of that as I played my 738th game of Thurn and Taxes, that, um, that I'm really, I mean, so it's a really mechanical thing for me now. I, I know exactly what I'm doing, exactly how to play it, and um, it's it, it's not something that really holds a lot of interest. I just sort of do it reflexively, mechanically, just as a, a you know, as a time waster kind of thing. I, I like I like games and I like gaming, and I don't have a lot of time to do it, but um, you know, I can certainly play a 10 minute game of Thorn and Taxes. But I was thinking about how there's something really unsatisfying about that, and I think in the same way there would be something really unsatisfying about after a while, about a 10-minute bulge game or a 30-minute bulge game that, um, you know, I think I think there really is something to computer games, the, the idea of the, the, the world setting and the, you know, sense of place and the story creation, all these things that, that computer games are really good at um, that you mm-hmm. lose when you use them for little, you know, 15 to 30-minute time snippets. Um, I mean, I think it's a lot better when 
you're playing against somebody you know. I think that that sort of changes the calculus completely. Um, Absolutely. But uh, but I'm talking about playing a game, you know, that's essentially against the computer. I mean, I'm playing against a a random person who tonight was had I can't even remember what his what his uh, handle was, but it was you know something something six three eight T. And uh, oh yeah, yeah I know exactly. Him. So. Uh, you know, I'm playing against some guy, and it's better than playing against a computer. I mean, against a computer is completely useless. But um, I would obviously be a lot more interested if I were playing against you or Tom or Julian. But um, mm-hmm. but there's something about the computer that really there's so much potential for creating a um, you know this kind of rich game world that you can that you can lose yourself in. And I think since games are so much of it, games really are an escape. Um, that's certainly what I use them for, um, and it's a lot easier to escape into something that 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 sort of engages your imagination a lot more than, um, you know, a, a ten minute game about placing post offices. So, uh, which is why theme is so important in games, um, because that's that's an, yet another thing that that engages your imagination. So, um, I was just thinking about how. It's possible that that's why no, you know nobody's really designed a thirty-minute bulge game because what would be the point in a sense? Um, I think in board games it makes more sense to do that because so many board games are just on. I mean, who's going to play Bitter Woods? Is a great uh, bulge game that I played half of a game once. Um, uh, there's another one, uh, Tigers in the Mist. I think it is. Is it? I can't remember. I think that's what it's called. I have no idea. Um, while we're talking, I'm going to uh, I'm going to use uh, the magic of Board Game Geek um, to see if uh, that's uh, if that's the actual game. But uh, yeah, GMT Tigers in the Mist. Yeah, that's an, that's a it's a it's a neat game that um, it's very easy uh, to learn. The rules are rules are very straightforward. Um, it's a area movement game, as I recall. Uh, sort of point to point, same thing. Basically, it's not a hex game. Um, and, um, I don't, I think it's, I think you could play it in a few hours. Um, but, uh, what are the chances that you're going to find somebody to play and be able to set the whole thing up and do it? Um, right. Right. So, so in a board game, designing a 30 minute bulge game is, uh, is, would be an interesting challenge and it would actually provide something. I think. To some extent, and I've been rethinking this a lot because I, I I would go on these rants a long time ago. Now, being a, that being a few years ago, I would go on these rants about how you know computer games are too involved for me, and it's I just don't have all the time to learn these systems. Um, and uh, we couldn't somebody you know create simpler games? Um, and to some extent, uh, I think that kind of I'm, I'm sort of starting to get come around to the idea that that defeats the purpose of uh, of computer games. Did you ever play uh, Down in Flames? Yes. Uh, the computer game version? The yeah. computer game. What did you think yep. of that? I liked it. I liked how clear it was, how uh, transparent it was. I liked mm-hmm. the art. Uh, I think you and I, you and I played against each other, I think. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, we played some. We played some Down in Flames. That's uh for those who don't know, it is a World War II dogfighting game. Um, you play with cards. That's a Dan Versen game, I believe. It is Dan Versen DVG Dan Versen Games. It's uh that's right. It's www.dvg.com. Well, 
there'll be a link to it at the bottom of this podcast. There will. Yeah. No, it was, I, I liked it very much. Um, so the interesting thing I noticed about that game is that it is one million times more interesting when you play the campaign. Um, I don't think it's that, uh, I mean, it just seems it's, it's, it's yet another, it's yet another one of those things where the game is much, uh, it's much less interesting as a standalone. I mean, you, what you do is you, mm-hmm. you play with, um, with, uh, uh, a leader and a wingman. And, or you can have two leaders and two wingmen, uh, depending on, uh, the mission. But, um, the, I mean, the game probably takes 10 to 15 minutes. It's, uh, for us uh, for an individual uh, dogfight rules are very straightforward oh, exactly. uh you could teach somebody the game in you know 10 minutes 5 minutes um but um but the game is really i mean it's a lot more interesting when you play face to face with somebody because you're playing game face to face but as a computer game where you play the play somebody in a single dogfight i don't think it's that interesting and uh, the game I noticed for me was much more engaging when uh, I had a and there's a there's a campaign mode where uh, you uh, your your uh, pilots gain uh, experience points and you can use them to um, uh, those experience points to buy abilities uh, you can ha- you can start the game with extra cards um, and you you know it keeps track of your kills for you it's it's great and that that's the part of computer gaming that uh, that I think you really miss out on when you um, when you turn it into uh, you know a 15 to 30 minute game. Uh, the 15 to 30 minute stuff is is great for um, for uh, the social aspect of you know playing with people that you know, but it, it really kind of leaves something to be desired. And I'm I'm starting to come around to that a little bit now that I've spent so much time not playing long involved games i kind of miss them i mean I actually miss them a lot <laughs> i'm not kidding i mean i'm serious yeah i believe you um, you know i i even toyed very briefly with the idea that uh i would um i wanted to play a game of war in the pacific against somebody by email and yeah and i oh, well wow. I, that that idea that idea lasted 10 minutes at the, the probably five minutes <laughs> um but uh you know that's uh, those are the kind of games that you know I sort of miss playing, and there, there's probably the, the chance that I'm ever going to play another game of War in the Pacific is zero. Um, but um, but there there definitely is so much that is um, so much that's attractive and, and engaging about um, about a big game that gives you a, a, a huge map with a lot of units and a lot of involved decision making. I'm not a big fan mm-hmm. of the micromanagement, but I'll live with it. Um, right. and, uh, and I sort of miss the, miss the, the time spent playing those games. And I, I wish there were some, I don't know, some way to, to capture some of that without forcing you into, you know, a hundred hour time commitment. Hmm. So what led to this is just the lack of time has led you to this revelation. Yeah, pretty much. Realizing you don't have any time, so you wish you had all that. Well, I don't free wish time I had, had all that. I mean, it's, it's not the fact that I had a, wish I had all that free time. I guess it's the it's the. Um, well, here's here's actually what what led to a big part of it. So I was thinking about I really want to play some kind of because 
the the um, the Dominions game sort of got me thinking about multiplayer games and how we right. could uh, get you know play some multiplayer game that would you know last without it you know falling apart you know one month in when somebody didn't turn in a turn for a week. Um, which is basically, I think, what happened. I think that the, the turns got the turnaround got slow, and um, yeah. and then people just lost interest. Which I mean, I haven't lost interest. I just, I mean, I've been, I've had a turn in forever. But um, so I was thinking about really cool games we could play. Um, Diplomacy, which I, I, I vowed I will never play again, um, is actually a really uh, neat game to play because there's um, there's a lot of Stuff that goes on in that game, but but the but the rules and the actual time spent writing your orders is minuscule. Um, but I was thinking about another game. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this one, Republic of Rome. So, yeah. Republic of Rome is a great game that I've never actually played a full game of, and I I've had a couple um, sort of abortive attempts at playing. Um, but I think Republic of Rome is a game that could very easily be done by um, uh, by email, and it would it would. Uh, I believe there are actually email Republic of Rome games going qu- hmm. quite often. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, I, I think there are. Um, I'm just saying something. When I say it's something that could be easily done by email, I think it would be e- meant it could be easily done by email by a group of us, right? Okay. So um, and there's a. Yeah, I have a copy of Republic of Rome. I have a so copy have the, of Republic of Rome. you have the old Elon Hill version or the... the uh, yeah, so there's Avalon a reprint, version. I think, that's either coming out or something like that. But that, the, yeah, yeah the, so you have the original Elon uh, Valley, yeah, Valley, Valley Games, Games. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, I have the Avalon Hill version as well. Um, I think that would be a great game to play if we could find you, me, and three other people. Um, mm-hmm. Because you really you need to have... You can't uh, play the game without five or six people. And we'd have to have five or six people who are committed to actually trying to finish the game. But I think that would be a fantastic game to play because there's so much negotiation in that game. Because the idea... Well, it's a great great game because it enforces both competition and cooperation. Both sides, for the unenlightened, it is a game where you are uh, factions in the Roman Senate... And your overriding purpose is to, you know, gain power but not let the republic right. fall under you. So sometimes you have to cede power to your rivals to keep the republic going smoothly so you win wars. So Hamlet right. doesn't take the city. Uh, so there's a lot of planning about when you concede and uh, when you cooperate and when you uh, obfuscate. It's uh, really a wonderful uh, yeah, it's, challenge. Yeah, it's great because, you know, if the republic falls and you all lose and the game ends and you're, you're, everybody lost. Right. So you can't let the Republic fall. Um, and it leads to, I mean, there's a, I think the, um, the early, um, I think the early Rome scenario um, enforces more, there's more cooperation because the Republic is really in trouble. Um, I think the later right. uh, Republic, the later Rome scenarios, there's the Republic is more stable. So there's more, there's more, um, uh, there's more competition involved. Um, so you can sort of choose how how competitive or cooperative you want your game to be, but um, 
And each, each age introduces new yeah. new cards you can play, which complicates yeah. things quite there's a bit. A, there's, I mean, it's a game that you really... It's interesting. It's a game you really kind of have to... Well, like any game, I guess I should... It's kind of stupid comment on my part. I mean, any game, you have to kind of know the game to know how to play it well. But but uh, uh, it's one of those things. Anytime you have a, anytime you have cards, you really have to know the cards because you can get completely ambushed. Uh, and not realize, you know, right. what is coming and, and what's going to, you know, sort of sort of blindside you. But, um, uh, you know, I would love to try to get a Republic of Rome game going. And I would, you know, I would, all we would need, I mean, I would play it, you would play it. We would need at least three, um, preferably four more people, but four people that were, I mean, I, I would, I'd like them to be people we at least some, somehow kind of knew so that we could, you know, shame them if right. they kind of dropped out of the game. Yeah, so we don't want just random people um, doing it, of course. Uh, but I'd be no, willing so to should, try that. We should try to round up some people. I don't think we've actually played it, but you could. You could yeah, get yeah I think we could do it. That, I think I, we, we certainly we certainly know yeah, a lot of yeah. board games. I have. Um, I, I know some people who uh, who are in the are in the games industry who I think would uh, would possibly be interested in doing something like this. Um, Ringers, Ringers yeah, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, they're they're actually. I mean, I w- won't won't lie. They're probably really good uh, gamers in the in the first place, so it would be a problem. But uh, I think we could. I think that's something we could possibly get going. I would really, really like to play a Republic of Rome by email, and I would be completely fine with having you know extended um, extended deadlines because I, there's the, there's a lot of negotiation that goes on in between, and you sort of we'd have to be sending yeah. each other email a lot. Each turn is like yeah. five phases or something, right? Yes. So, so you know, the turns can drag on even when everyone's just sitting around the same table. Right. I think I think some of that could be mitigated by the fact that, um, that we're doing it online. So, uh, I, I just I think I think that's a game that would lend itself to very. Uh, uh, I think it, I think it ties into your particular. Site and your uh, interest, your historical interests very well. I think it would be something that could be narrated sure. very well, and uh, we could um, we could actually even um, I mean we could we could narrate the turns as they go. I mean we could we could post the post the mm-hmm. uh, the results of the terms like you know who won the governorship or you know wh- which governorship were who occupied what who who was elected consul. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Right. What the, you know what the uh, what the unrest level is. You know how close the republic is to falling. All that kind of stuff. I mean, I think it'd be pretty neat. Like did when like we did when we did those board games. Uh, yeah. Last year when we did 1960 yep. and Twilight yep. Uh, yep. Struggle. Yeah. Which so, was fun. I think that I agree. I that would be fun. Well, it, it wouldn't be fun because there's no such thing. So don't don't get Tom all pissed off. Right. But uh, that would be enlightening. So I think I think uh, that's something we're we're uh, we're on to something. Let's let's try to pursue this. How about that? All right. So listeners, uh, pay attention and stay tuned. We're actually going to try to make a go it's of this. It's been decided right now. It's been decided we're going to try to play a game of Republic. It's been of decided. We're going- uh, it's a great game. I, I everybody who right. who doesn't. I mean, I, there will be a link yep. to it at the bottom of this podcast. And um, wonder if to the reprint. Yes. yes. I wonder if there are any. Uh, if there are any, I'll have to look on. I won't do it now because it will waste people's time. But um, there probably are uh, are some uh, email um, after action reports on the internet somewhere. I mean, everything's on the internet, right? 
I'm sure that I mean, board game geek. Has and to I know have that something. there is a because I looked it up just a couple weeks ago. Uh, I know that there is a Republic of Rome rule book online free. So it's uh, it's pretty long. It's like it's like seventy pages, mm-hmm. but um, uh, there is a uh, and it, it's got all the charts and everything. Um, but it's online and it's available as a PDF. So anybody who's interested in the game can. Uh, can download it, and we'll have a link to that at the bottom of the podcast because I will email that link to uh, to Troy. So, um, so everybody, yeah. Republic of Rome, there it is. It's... I don't think I've ever no, actually played Republic of Rome. I think I've tried to play it a couple times, yeah. but uh, my my copy is unpunched. Uh, but I, I know I've tried to play it with other people. Uh, and um, and how did that go? Did did did, did yeah. Tom rage quit early? No, I've tried to play it. I mean, I tried to play it face to face at a couple uh, gaming get-togethers that that I went to, and and I think both mm-hmm. games uh, we didn't really know the rules well, so it was one of the things where we tried to start the game and it sort of bogged down, and then we went out to eat, and then we came back and we're like, ah, let's you know, let's pick this up and and play something else. So um, so I've never actually played a complete game or even really been part of a semi-functional game of Republic of Rome, but it was interesting uh, when I did try to play it. So, um, but anyway, we'll move on from that. Uh, listeners can look forward to us trying to set that up sometime in the next uh, few weeks. And I'm still, I still have some hope that Tom will send in his uh, Dominion's turn. Well, every email I send him for the next two weeks yeah. is going to have send your turn. Uh, at the bottom, I should okay. just add that to my SIG. Perfect, perfect. Um, and see how that goes. See how the public shaming works. But uh, maybe next week you can get Michael DePlater to nag him. We'll pay Michael, Michael to, uh, to throw something in there. Um, so you haven't been doing any computer gaming at all mm-hmm. besides Dwarf Fortress. Yeah, and I haven't even really played that much Dwarf Fortress, to be honest with you. Um no, I just haven't had time. I mean, I really just don't have any opportunity to do, and I, I shouldn't say I have no opportunity, but um, it's one of those situations where I have so little free time that I'm really unwilling to spend any time mm-hmm. alone in front of a computer playing a computer game. I, it just doesn't seem useful to me. I mean, I'd rather uh, go out and see people. I'd rather go out to dinner. I'd rather go out for drinks. I'd rather go to the gym. I'd rather, you know, it's just, it's a standard stuff. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of listeners who uh, may not have a lot of time to, uh, I mean, if you look at it objectively, I mean, do I have, you know, one hour a week or two hours a week where I could possibly uh, play a computer game? Sometimes no, but sometimes yes. And usually the answer is that, you know, I'd rather not. Um, I'd rather do something else, um, mm-hmm. or I'd rather use leisure time to on doing work uh, because there's plenty of work that uh, I do when I'm at home. Um, you know, I'm in the hospital all the time, but uh, when I get home, that doesn't mean that my work's not done. I still have stuff that I can do from home. So um, I just haven't played a lot of uh, uh, played a lot of. Um, uh, computer games, but ev- ev- interestingly enough, every time I uh, every time I sit down at the computer, I think, boy, I'd really like to, I'd like to play something again, like the Imperialism series, or 
wow, I really had a blast playing mm-hmm. Heroes of Might and Magic. And I was talking to a friend of mine today, and he said that uh, um, – I can't remember who it was. Uh, was it Go Gamer or um, Good Old Games? or uh, Good Old Games? No, it wasn't that. I think it was like Direct to Drive. Um, they were selling a bunch of old games for $5 a piece. And he had mentioned that he had bought uh, Sid Meier's Railroads for 5 bucks, And uh, he okay. had bought a bunch of other games for 5 bucks. Um Can't remember what they were, but... Um, um, I assume that they're all game, you know, they're, they're old games. I assume that they would all work under Vista or whatever. Um, he was saying that he was playing mm-hmm. in uh, DOSBox on his computer. He was playing the old Space Hulk 1993 version. Wow! So you people out there who remember Space Hulk from 1993, people are still playing it on DOSBox. Um, and, uh, you know, I have all sorts of sort of uh, fantasies about pulling out some old games and, 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 and playing them. I really One thing I really want to play, really, really want to play, is, um, is Railroad Tycoon 2. I love that game. Uh, it, you know, unforgiving and, and, and uh, micromanagement-y as it was. Um, the thing I can't figure out right. is whether... I, I want to play the game itself or whether I want to have the experience that I had, you know, 11 years ago when I played that game. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about nostalgia, right? You get this sense of, you know, wow, it was so great to play that. And, I mean, I have this time to time. I want to go back and play XCOM or I want to go back and play uh, an old RTS. And I realize, right. wow, I just can't go back again. Once I finally booted up. I mean, there were some exceptions, of course. Right. I mean, the Imperialism series is certainly up there. Something that, as old as the interface is, it just right. keeps being rewarding all the way through. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of a minority, if I think about all yeah. the old games I have lined up. I mean, I think that's partly why um, God Blesses Old Soul, uh, the John Tiller yeah. games, do so little for me now. In that, that's the sort of thing that I would have probably been all over um, in 1995, but there comes a point where yeah. I just can't do that anymore uh, because it's been done better yeah. um, in so many different ways by so many different people. It's just no excuse well, for that I mean, sort of uh, design I, I, I anymore. Just but, in, in defense you know. of John Tiller, I understand exactly what you're saying, but I mean, as far as excuse for, I mean, there are plenty yeah. of people who enjoy that, and okay. you know, if they right. want to play that, that's fine. You sure. Know, I mean, I mean, for, I mean, from a design perspective. I mean, absolutely. You know, if people want to play that, and he's making money doing exactly. it. He has every right to design the games he wants to design. Um, I'm not going to hold that against him for doing that. But as far as you know, if you want to sell more games or be a better war game or a deeper war game or make the yeah. interface better so it's easier to get into, I think he's doing himself and war gaming a disservice by not you know taking that up. I mean, great, that's wonderful. He's got a good job, good career doing it. Three cheers for you, Taylor, for you know, and HPS for you know doing conflicts and wars that other people aren't doing. Glad you're doing it. But uh, the type of games that you know are kind of fueled by a nostalgia or people who haven't, you know, seen how far war games have come in many ways. I mean, have they come in the that last far, 10 though? years. 
I would think so. I mean, you look at the uh, the the age odd games, the Napoleon's campaign stuff. Let's uh, talk about that for a second. Yeah. What do you think of those games? Then they're. Um, I liked the Birth of America games quite a bit. Uh, I thought the uh, Civil War game was a bit too much, but I liked a lot of it. Napoleon's campaigns, I didn't plan to spend enough time with. Okay. But people I trust seem to like it. Um, the World War One game they just published and didn't yeah, develop I, was a disaster. But that, I mean, they're they're more. Uh, I guess I mean even to call them war games, but I mean, Birth of America is really a war game because it's all about the uh, reinforcement schedule and there's the troops and there's no there's no politics, there's no production, and you have that in Civil War. Napoleon's right. campaigns is also, I guess, more of a war game because it's just about the soldiers and the right. specific military campaigns. Um, so I, I like them. I like them a lot, I and mean, I haven't played them in a while. And they're certainly different uh, from you know, both in scale and in intention from uh, the HPS games or any other, or you know, anything Battlefront had done or other stuff Maxis publishes. Right. I mean, Matrix um, publishes. I mean, I think. No, I, I mean I am. You're not a fan. Um, but uh, well, I think that I think that but. system works a lot better for some situations than others. I don't think it really worked. I think it worked great for the uh, for the Revolutionary War. I think that it really works well when you just have a few mm-hmm. maneuver formations. Um, I think it kind of fell apart a little bit with the uh, in the Napoleonic era because. There are just too many leaders and too many units, and it got a little out of control. Um, but it looked beautiful, and uh, it sort of uh, satisfied my, you know, war gamer aesthetic to uh, desire to see all that um, all that stuff going on. Um, you know, the there's there's a there's a certain amount for Napoleonic gamers. I think there's a certain amount of satisfaction you get just out of seeing. All the different, uh, all the different troops and, and and colors, and I I remember when I um, yes. played there was a Battle of Leipzig game that uh, I would I love to set up, and I remember a friend of mine and I spent a ton of time just setting up this Battle of Leipzig game because you had you know all the different you know on the on the on the French side there were you know the the French and the you know the young middle and old guard and then the poles and then you know all the different uh, colors the troops and then um you know the germans had you know that the the allies had the russians and uh you know all the different uh german nationalities they all had different uniforms and all different colors and uh it was just cool to set it up and then i you know i don't know we ever got more than three turns into any one of those leipzig games but uh i mean there's something there's something about war gamers who i mean they have a desire to see stuff like that and, and there's something that's about their they're, uh, they're something that's, that's satisfied in them by, by just getting that kind of visual sure. feedback. So, um, so I, I mean, I, I like the age odd games, but, but, um, I thought, I thought the birth of America was, was a really, uh, really great idea that worked so much better than anything else that had ever been done, um, on that subject. I don't think it necessarily translates very well to, um, yeah. to any other, um, conflict. I don't think it really worked well for uh, World War One. It just—I it, don't think that has any. It doesn't make it really make any sense. 
Well, World War One was adapted from a, a different board game. It wasn't the Age Odd. Uh, oh, I never played the traditional it. So, so explain system. a little bit about that it one. Was something else. I'll I'll I'll. Well, it was based on a, a board game that Philippe Thibault did uh, many years ago called La Grande Guerre. Um, and it's the translation, I mean, I haven't played the board game, but the computer game was pretty much incomprehensible and terribly bug-ridden. Uh, nothing seemed to work very well. And I'm not quite sure they even fixed it. I mean, I'm not even sure how okay. I would even begin to um, describe it. What was it called? Uh, but no, it, it wasn't, it's mm. called a, a World War I okay. La Grande Guerre. I'll look that one up. Okay, I won't then. Uh, no, you don't really have to. You can, you can get it on Matrix. Um, they have it. That's a Matrix published game, and it's. I mean, it, it's even ugly. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the great things with the Age Odd games is how they look. And capture that Napoleonic game, Napoleonic game by campaign, Napoleonic campaigns, all these rich deep greens just looks wonderful, uh, and even the. Uh, Grays and browns and yellows of Birth of America looked really good, but Legrand Guerre is just a plain old ugly game, and it's been patched over and over again. Mm-hmm. I guess it's on mm-hmm. patch six or something or seven at this point, that sucks. and it's not even a year old. So, you know, I should probably try it again. Should probably give it another shot just to be fair, um, but. I really didn't have a very good experience in my few hours with it, and Did I moved on to something else because I didn't have to be playing Watch. it. Uh, Guns of August. I played it a little bit. Yeah, I really liked uh, some of it. Mm-hmm. Never really got a firm grip on how the technology thing worked, but uh, yeah, what I played, I, I enjoyed. Now, as I recall, I you like bits it of it. Have a really strong opinion one way or the other. I I liked what I what I saw of it. I really wanted to get more into it, um, but of course, once again, that was that was at the time when I was really having a hard time finding any. Time for gaming, and I was still doing uh, Tom versus Bruce, and that was pretty much all of my gaming time was was devoted to that, and um, which I missed terribly, by the way. Just for all you people who may have um, uh, may have um, read it and miss it, also. And uh, Tom and I are trying to uh, we're trying to find a way to bring it back in some way. So stay tuned on that front. Um, yeah, I think that would be great. I was hoping that this podcast would be a chance to do some of that, but our multiplayer gaming hasn't no, been going well, very Dawn well, except for that Dawn of War experience. So nice. but, yeah. Yes, we did. We were. Yes, it was me and you. We won. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Winner's podcast. Winner's this podcast. is the winner's podcast. Nine. Yeah. So, no um, losers here. Yeah, we have, to, we have to get more of that going, um, but there's not much. We're not going to play any Section 8 multiplayer, thanks. It's not going to happen. No, uh, no Section 8. Maybe we should do another RTS or something. We can play really quickly. I, I'm just telling um, you, Republic, or Republic Ro- of Rome. I, I, I absolutely refuse to uh, to play Republic of Rome with Tom Chick unless he signs some sort of contract that states that he's going to uh, to follow through on his uh, commitment to Republic of Rome. Because I, I actually don't think Tom that Tom would be very interested in it because um, it's just a little bit longer rule book. Then I think Tom is used to um, used to playing. I mean, it just is not his kind of game. It's a little too too involved. And uh, the the one of the there are many things that I can't see Tom Chick doing. One of them is uh, you know paging through you know page after page of some uh, seventy page rule book to find the one rules clause that uh, 
you know, allows him to do pull whatever dirty trick he's trying to pull. I mean, it's just, I think it's a, just a few too many pages, a few too many pages for him to page through. Um, it was just not, I mean, I don't mean that as a criticism of Tom at all. I, I mean, it, as, a, as a, a fact of, I mean, I just think it's a. Listeners, what Bruce is trying to say is that Tom is so used to these, you know, five page manuals he finds in his Xbox 360. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Anything I'm saying longer. That, uh, uh, Tom is, uh, yeah, Tom, Tom's uh, too wedded to his Twitch Illiterate. games, Twitch gaming or whatever. So, yeah, exactly. As opposed to the you know, magic super mushroom party games. pants, you know, genius games that have long rule books. No, that's not what I mean at all. I just, I just don't think Tom really has has the interest or patience <laughs> for it, which is fine. I mean, plenty of people don't, and um, it takes a certain type of person to want to subject yourself to that. And it's not Tom. And I mean, I'm I'm willing to be proved wrong, but uh, I have a feeling that no, that's not going to happen. And if and if he did agree to it, I'd look. I would look on it. With no, great it's a, it is a very involved. Game. Um, just so you know. So. Because you know, I'd be working yes, it out. I'd be playing it just I to be agree. making so, fun yeah, of it. Yeah, on Tom, Tom Chick's, uh, yeah. All right. Tom Chick, yes, Good. there will not be a link to that at the bottom of the podcast because it's uh, nothing to say. Uh, yep. So we're nearing the end of this rather rambling conversation, but you got to learn a little bit more about what makes Bruce Garrick tick, at least. Um, any um, further thoughts or ideas uh, or plans? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to try to play Endor this Such, week. Um, just a great I, idea. I should, pl- I should play more well, Endor. I've put a few hours, put a few in hours into it, but I got to put more that. time into it. Um, I don't know what else. What else is... Uh, what else is there to say? Um, I just I am having this really really strong nostalgic kind of sense for a lot of games that uh, um, I almost went out and pulled out all my old ASLs. I mean I have I have pretty much every yeah every Advanced Squad Leader um, oh good lord prod, uh, product ever published along with a lot of third party stuff um, and. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe it's a midlife crisis. Uh, you know, I, I miss, I miss the time and 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 uh, sort of lifestyle that allowed for being able to play that kind of stuff. Well, I'm hoping that I'll get a chance to do more board gaming since uh, uh-huh. I finally what got to do some play? board game with one of my neighbors. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. we played oh, 1805 yeah, Sea the, of Glory, that's, um, that's, uh, GMT, Naval right? Who designed that? Was that a Mark Herman game? Yes, it is. Yep. No, no, not Mark Herman. Um, what's his name? He does, he does other, other games. He's some he guy who does other games. Okay, I'll look it up right here. Narrowed it down. Yeah. Some, uh, yeah, some guy, you know, but not that one. Uh, where? But no, we played 1805 Sea of Glory. Uh, we played okay. the um, well, how was it? How was that game? How that game scenario when it didn't do the whole campaign. Okay. Um, I think the rule book's a little bit confusing. I think it needs a little bit of clarity. I think that the, I mean, it's, yeah, it has these yeah, beautiful yeah. blocks with the stickers, you know, the GMT stuff, which is great, except the okay. board is hexes, and I think it really should have more area movement instead of oh, hexes because the terrible. hexes are too small for the blocks, and you have to have fleets on a, you have to have the fleets on a separate uh, uh, little fleet chips uh, on a separate piece of paper over to your side. Uh, so I think I think the the presentation is otherwise quite nice. I mean, the map's, you know, exaggerated, but you know where you're going. There's a Caribbean bit. Um, but it's, and we liked a lot of the rules, 
but I think that Matt and I are probably going to be playing it again sometime, but uh, he's... Uh, well, I mean, I, we I didn't have, really uh, fall in love with it. But it was fun. The important thing is, you know, I got to uh, uh-huh. hang out with a neighbor, see his giant war wow. game collection. He has a huge war game collection. Really? So Interesting. He's designing one, too, uh, which is fun. So we're probably going to be having, hopefully, some more war gaming in the future once my schedule clears up. Um, Phil Fry. Well, Phil Fry um, is a designer. It's got, it's got an, it's so, got but an that's, amazing 8.48 out of 10 on Board Game Geek, which, which is standard. When a game just gets released, everybody loves it, and then the rating goes down. But 8.5 out of 10 is, is yeah. really good. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, we were. This is mostly a learning game for both of us, so there's that going on. Uh, but you know, it's it has some issues. Ah. Just I lost, some of, of the course. Screenshots. I was playing the French. Uh, should but. definitely post a link to this to the the board game or to its official page or the board game geek page because uh, looks interesting. Yeah, it's got a lot of hexes. It's kind of weird. Okay. Well. Yeah. A lot of hexes, and I they I think they can the stand to be take? a little bit larger, and then alter the movements. Um, uh, the Trafalgar scenario took us. No, just a, this was a learning game. Okay. Well, I think terrible. we were at it for two hours. That's just that's just a scenario. So it was like it was like two months. No, it was a week. Sorry, it was a week of play, and we didn't play through the entire scenario because it reached a point where okay. you know I just could not win. I could not meet my victory conditions. I did not have enough ships to meet my victory conditions um, before before Nelson even got into okay. the war. Had a really really bad battle. Come on here. Um, but it's so, I, I'm just glad I have a neighbor nearby who actually, you know, plays war games. So, you know, who knows? I might actually I get more some about that. You should definitely, uh, uh, time in on that. You should definitely uh, so, keep us posted on that stuff. Cause I, I, I at least want to hear vicariously about your, uh, your uh, war gaming experiences. So. Well, uh, yes, it'll be fun. I'm, He's just running. He's just getting into German oh, okay. games. Well, just you can move. You need to move him past Settler that Lucatan and stuff like that. Because he, 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 okay. he's a war gamer. Yeah, yeah he, he, he's a war gamer. So he's not used to you know playing all these other mechanical stuff. But he's a neat guy. I've interviewed him for Crispy Gamer uh, before. He does uh, digital media stuff. He's an interesting guy and a war gamer. So that's what I've been doing. And Bruce, hopefully you get some more gaming in, and we will definitely, definitely get right, Republic of Rome going yeah, if we can find path. four more players. We'll do it. And, All right. And, uh, so oh, say goodnight. Right. There's not uh, there's not a whole bunch of people. So uh, um. it's just good to say goodnight. And next week, Michael okay. Deplater and, and hopefully say is almost a full team. In a white room with black curtains near the station.